Welcome to the Free Thinkers Hub, connecting you with people in other fields or walks of life who can expand our world and sense of possibility. Our mission is clear, a censorship-free social media platform that's a hub of truth where people can learn and share and to create a place of hope and empowerment. Free Thinkers Hub, where you are empowered, not overpowered. Welcome everybody to our fifth episode of this series um, for the Free Thinkers Hub. And uh, the theme is around finding harmony and balance in a crazy world. And today I've got the perfect uh, person to come and speak to that. It's Jane Gunn. She's founder of Barefoot Mediator. And Jane is an expert in the field of conflict resolution as a trained mediator and facilitator. Um, not only is she um, one of the leading mediators in the UK, um, but she has over 25 years of experience and is frequently called upon to resolve conflicts and disputes between businesses and individuals. She's also author of two popular books. Now, this is a tongue twister, Jane. How to Beat <laughs> Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. Great title. And the other... Um, Seems a bit dry compared to the other one, the authority guide yeah, to conflict resolution. But I know it's not. I know it's not dry inside. Um, so um, you've spoken to the United Nations and the White House and the European Commission. You help people in all walks of life to become what you term as resolutionaries. And I know that I'm going to ask you more about what that means. Uh, Jane's mission is to create a tribe of barefoot mediators equipped to lead and inspire others in times of change, challenge and crisis. And uh, Jane has a powerful message supported by practical tools, techniques that apply to individuals and also organisations of all sizes and across all different sectors. On a personal note, Jane is a wife and a mother of two daughters and has three grandchildren or granddaughters. So welcome, Jane. Welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Amina. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here and excited to be talking with you because I think I preface um, this podcast by saying that you have this wonderful energy and we have actually physically met up, haven't we? Uh, we have. In Manchester. Um, yeah, so the, the background to our meeting is that we found each other on LinkedIn and um, of us. Of the same tribe, aren't we, in terms of our thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, so having said that, because I used the term adversarial approach before, and it's not gone unnoticed to well, the whole of, of society around the world, when someone has an opposite or different viewpoint or belief, how a- antagonism can come to the fore, and it can't be any more prevalent than in today's society. As a, an expert communicator, how do you think that, that COVID's really affected the way that people are communicating these days? I'll just go back a step there, Abina. One of the things that prompted me to get into the work I do was something called the Tomorrow's Company Inquiry way back in 1995, which identified this thing called the adversarial approach to relationships as being one of the key factors that holds us back, not only as human beings, but also in organisations. And it's that approach, not even conflict itself, that uh, is part of the human condition, if you like, but it doesn't it doesn't help us to move 
forward. And I, you're right that the times we're living in, uh, a COVID crisis, not least, but other things that are causing us to disagree with some of our fellow human beings are creating uh, this adversarial approach within us, within our relationships. And it's, again, it's holding us back from being able to collaborate, from being able to problem solve, from being able to see, uh, take a wider view of problems and see and see the way forward. So I think it's, um, it's something we need to understand and be able to tackle both as individuals and as organisations. That, that's, that's interesting. I think what jumps out um, for me in terms of how you've, spoken to that is adversarial approach is part of the human condition and certainly some of the the reading or thinking that I've been doing recently is to say that actually that's really part of conditioning isn't it is it an innate part is human collaboration stronger than human competition in that respect I mean where do your views sit on that I think we recognise very easily the ability to collaborate. And I forget who it is who uh, said, you know, what was the first sign of civilization, And it was the sign that someone's broken leg had healed. Uh, and the thing about that was that um, it meant that other human beings had collaborated, cooperated, helped that person because otherwise they would have been left to die. So at some stage in our development, in our civilization, we recognized that if we help each other, we can survive better as a group and if we collaborate. But nevertheless, we still hold within us this sense of fear. And I think that's one of the things that's come to the fore uh, again during the, the times we're living in. And when we are under fear, when we're under stress, our thinking becomes much more narrow and limited. And we slip back into this more adversarial way of behaving. And, and it takes a conscious effort and recognising of that to move out of it and collaborate again to see the bigger picture. So my guess is that you're the the... I'm assuming you've coined the term resolutionaries, is, is very much based on that idea of collaboration and coming together when there's like um, differences. Yes. So um, it's, it's a slight play on words, isn't it, with revolutionary? But I think that um, what I do as a mediator when I act as a third party in the middle of a, a conflict or a dispute is help people to move towards a situation of resolving the, the problem but to do it themselves not for me to say like dive in and go well here here here's a solution why don't you follow that it's much more to help them to use various thinking tools and techniques um, problem solving processes to get to a resolution so I want people to understand how to be resolutionaries and how to practice resolutionary thinking Again, interesting in terms of um, what you're saying about people problem solving and thinking skills. And one of the things that seems to become more and more unearthed is this sense that um, whether deliberate or, or not, there's a real dumbing down of critical faculties of people being able to think things through in, in a manner that isn't based on fear, for example. As you said, that mm -hmm. narrows down the spectrum of, of potential and possibilities there. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, over a period of time, have you seen that that you know people are less likely to explore thinking skills, or or not? I think I think 
it, it does at the moment and it always does so what i'm typically dealing with as a, as a mediator is people who are in crisis they're in conflict and they have they do what we call positional uh, bargaining or positional thinking they decide what their point is what their position on a, on this particular issue is and they stick with it and they build up you know their own story their own evidence they might get professionals like lawyers involved but basically they stick to their position and the other side of the argument whoever they are or that is uh, are stuck with their position instead of doing what uh, what we can do and what what came out of the harvard project on negotiation which is called principled problem solving and that is looking right beneath the surface of the problem and saying what is it we each of us need in terms of needs interests fears concerns values beliefs let's look at all of those things uh let's see what we have in common in terms of our uh, desired outcomes and our approach and then together let's construct some options so it could be several options not just one linear thinking let's go for this one solution but let's look at different options let's test those out let's do some risk benefit analysis and then between us let's decide which is the best of those if any yeah sounds um the the, the right approach doesn't it to actually explore lots of different options before you do actually decide on something and i guess you know if we look at the society how it's mirroring out in terms of politics all that you know um expression of information is being closed down people are being funneled into um a, a particular narrative or a particular way of, of viewing things um and I, I guess there's a dissonance isn't there between this sense of self and responsibility and and you know shifting from positional you know kind of thinking into more principled thinking what she said mm-hmm. um uh, so there's quite a dissonance that people have to get through um, to be able to start to explore the kind of communication that you're talking about. I think a lot, uh, Amina, and a lot more at the moment, because, as you say, there is a societal pressure. You know, one of the things we fear more than death is being excluded from our group, from being excluded from society. And what's happening at the moment is a lot of people are being what we call cancelled. You know, if their opinion isn't valued, they're being taken off social media, for example, or people are not talking to them, are just shouting at them and saying, well, you're wrong, I don't agree with you. Instead of saying, that's really interesting. I'm very curious to hear where you get your ideas from. Let's sit down and talk or let's have a debate or let's open up a debate with several other people who'd like to speak on this topic. We're not doing that. We're not doing it as individuals. We're not doing it in organisations. We're not doing it in society. We are, we've become very insular and we're just saying, you know, I've made my mind up and I need to protect that. Um, And so we're, you know, we're stuck, if you like, in in our own bubble, (laughs) in our own bubble, and we can't see beyond that. And that's a very protective mechanism. It's not a criticism, but just recognizing that happens and you get stuck in a bubble and you can't you can't see it and it feels threatening to even consider an opposite point of view even from the position of curiosity and if only we could get curious and open up the dialogue the debate the conversation um we could understand that we all see things differently and that that's not a bad thing well, I really like that uh, curiosity because uh, that you know that's so non-threatening, isn't it? To be curious about things, 
rather yeah. than to uh, be opinionated um, mm. or dogmatic uh, about particular stances. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we've kind of, you know, um, gone into the big picture stuff here. And I, I do want to, to bring it down to kind of some everyday, uh, you know, um, uh, examples. Um, but I did introduce you as saying that you've spoken at the United Nations, the White House and the European Commission. And I'm really intrigued by that because, um, you know, I mean, certainly some of those, um, the, the UN, um, which I used to hold up as a bastion of, of impartiality and equity and, and globalism, and now I'm beginning to really question that. So, um, you know, what kind of things were they asking of you and, and you know, how did you... Yeah, it's an interesting story. I mean, I can tell you exactly why I was there. And it, it was around another, it was around another a bug, actually. It was around another another thing, another, uh, and it was about, it, it was in 1998 when uh, there was the millennium bug, if you remember it. And there was a fear within society and particularly within large organizations, particularly IT and telecoms, that this thing called the millennium bug, that when the year rolled over, as we're almost at New Year, you know, that various systems would stop working. And the ultimate fear was that that would cause uh, failure in service and, and, and actually for us as lawyers that, you know, large companies would end up in litigation. And so what we did then and what I was part of, which really reflects almost where we are now, was to say, let's agree uh, a way that we're going to resolve this problem. And rather than waiting for things to get bad, let's 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 have a, what we called a, a manifesto and a pledge um, between the com 500 companies and and dispute resolution bodies and lawmakers to say, if we disagree about this, we're going to tackle it in this way. We're not going to be adversarial. We we won't resort to what we called arms, adversarial resolution methods. We will, uh, in the first instance, be curious and sit down and have a conversation. If that doesn't work, we'll get a third party mediator to come in and facilitate a dialogue, a debate between us. And only in the last instance will we end up going uh, to court. I've actually got, I think, actually sitting on my desk, Amina, the original um, Millennium Accord. There it is. And so it was in promoting that process, that approach to problem solving around another a crisis, and it wasn't a health crisis, but a similar thing uh, that I went to speak to all of those organisations, because at that stage, they were really interested to hear about this approach. And we could, we could replicate that approach in the times we're living in now. Well, certainly. And uh, one wonders, I mean, I suppose there's uh, lots of administrative changes and new personnel but one wonders about all the wisdom of that, how that's got lost, because it's so transposable, isn't it? And transferable yes. um, to all sorts of situations. So, um, but I guess um, behind all of that sits the real, the intent to want to resolve things in a, um, an amicable way. And again, I think, you know, one of the things that seems to be playing out in, in this whole pandemic scenario, is that um, it's almost like that that intent isn't there to to have all voices heard and um, all parties feeling like they've been treated fairly. Mm -hmm. um, 
because uh, I mean, in, in previous conversations, we, we've expressed a concern that um, maybe we are tipping more towards a kind of totalitarian way of, of thinking or, or behaving. Um, and so power playing out is a huge thing, isn't it, in, in, in the current situation? So, so just bringing that down into the, the everyday and the workplace, because um, obviously um, many people have gone through lots of sudden shocks, um, shocks of change, shocks of loss, constant uncertainty. We're in the middle of another uncertainty, aren't we? Are we going to lock down um, mm -hmm. again in the UK? Um, and um, so to be able to manage all that, obviously, businesses, organisations, uh, um, workers have like shifted in terms of workload responsibilities, hybrid work, and et cetera. So I, I'm kind of interested to know about how we resolve conflicts um, in those kind of situations that be, where they, you know, these tensions become more pronounced and complex. Um, and... Um, you know, often it might be in virtual scenarios as well. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of answers to that question, Amina. I think, first of all, every well, every individual and every organisation is helped by understanding the principles of conflict. You know, where does it come from? Why does it? One of the things I talk a lot about is how conflict escalates really quickly. It goes from this phase where, you know, you're unhappy with someone. So your conversation isn't working or it stops altogether. And and then you end up very quickly down at the bottom of the escalator where, you know, you're firing <laughs> missiles at each other, probably verbally. But, you know, that's that's what's happening. And, and so I think for every individual and every organisation, just a basic understanding of why has that happened? Where have we gone to uh, and how can we pull it back? And, and I literally talk about is as if it was an escalator, you know, in a department store, you've got to know how to press that red button and say, hang on, we need to stop this. And then we need to think about where are we at? And how can we um, change the way we're talking about this issue at an organisational level, perhaps in our families, you know, what can we do to have a better, more open dialogue and, and I think just having some very very basic understanding and some very basic skills you know one of the key skills is how do I listen how do I listen to someone else rather than keep trying to override them with their with my argument and when we feel very passionate or very frightened we just want to keep getting our point across yes but yes but yes but you haven't heard me yes but you haven't accepted my point you need that is the wrong way around I think Stephen Covey says, seek first to understand and then to be understood. We must listen first, understand the other person. Where are they coming from? What worries them? How can I help? Where are they trying to get to? Because very often we're trying to get to the same point, actually. You know, we all want safety and security and to keep our families safe and to earn money. We all want the same things. But when we're backed into a corner we we see different ways of of achieving that what you seem to be describing here is some intercultural conflict and i'm not necessarily talking along the lines of race or ethnicity but it can be yes, you yes. know within groups of people you know having very different needs so there might be young people in the home and yes, yes. and they have particular needs that may be clashing with you know parental needs um 
uh, and it's establishing all the rights for everyone to be heard and included. Mm. And I'm thinking about particular conflicts that seem to be more pronounced now in terms of social media, Facebook or Twitter, um, and some of the arguments or the conflicts that are happening in terms of stay-at-home orders, for example, have they gone too far or, or protesters um, showing up in state capitals um, mm. and, you know, demanding the right to move about freely? Um, so all these kind of things that are conflicts are happening, aren't they, interculturally, um, between personal liberties, societal constraints, uh, loose and tight kind of cultures. So um, given all of this, um, what you know, and you, you talked about really listening. Um, I, I just want to hear your your views on empathy here, because that's mm-hmm. that's what you're actually describing, aren't you? Yeah, and empathy is is different from sympathy, and it's the ability to really be able to understand what another person is telling you and what their experience is like. You know, you can really we talk about stepping into someone's shoes, but if I was you, what are you seeing, hearing, and feeling? What is it that's concerning you? How can I really understand and get it? It's that sense of I've got it. Um, I can see the world from your perspective because most of us, again, in that bubble, we only see the world through our own lens and we do, I don't have a clue what the world looks like. We might be sitting in the same room, even the same meeting, but your experience of that meeting, your experience of what's going on in the world is so totally different because of your own background, culture and conditioning, your own experiences and and, and getting that and then getting you to explain that to me is about empathizing and then go, oh, I see. I, I Now I understand where you're coming from, what concerns you, what worries you. Let me tell you what I see and what concerns me. And that's where we start. Do, do you think that this pandemic sapped our sense of, of empathy? It's almost like there's no space for, for that right now. I think it's definitely made people uh, tired uh, and weary, you know, the sudden changes, the not knowing, you know, what's the next curveball. I wrote about that this week. You know, we are suffering from pandemic fatigue, if you like, deep pandemic fatigue in the middle of winter, not only with, you know, Christmas uncertain. And that means we we focus more on ourselves. You know, we turn back on, you know, let me just think about myself and what I want and what you know, what what I think, uh, and we're unable again to see that bigger picture just because we are so tired. Uh, and then, as you say, everybody is carrying their own baggage. You know, one of the ways I, I represent that on my course is, you know, just looking at an image of somebody with a great big backpack on, and we all carry whatever our background and history, some level of trauma, disappointment, uh, relationships that haven't worked out, things we've been through and all of that weighs us down unless we come to terms with it and deal with it so a lot of the work we need to do right now Amina and it seems strange is inner work you know we need to understand ourselves and have an awareness of ourselves of what have I been through how have I got to this point in my life uh, what have I learned from that? What the benefits? How have what challenges have I overcome? And what have I learned from that? And put those positive uh, aspects into how we deal with where we are now, recognizing that we are actually all 
resilient, we are experienced, you know, we bring all of that with us. Yes, we carry baggage, but I think there is a lot of trauma playing out right now. And it's because we avoid dealing with it. You know, we would rather watch the television or go on holiday or go to a football match or we'd rather be distracted from it than deal with it and it is that going back inside uh, again i talk about it being in the murky swamp of reality we have to understand ourselves to understand others and we have to do that it doesn't have to be a very deep dark thing but we have to acknowledge that we've gone through this stuff and so is everybody else. So is everybody else. Most people are carrying stuff that you have no idea. You know, we, we see the bit that we see of someone is just a small part of the whole. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that, um, I mean, it's interesting you talked about um, the millennium timeline and, you know, everyone thinking, you know, uh, it's all going to end. Um, and um, that was obviously played out by the fact of the long calendar and, and people thought that actually there's no time after, you know, the turn. Um, but um, in, in terms of that, we've got a different timeline, haven't we, going on now? And um, this inner work is all part of this new timeline, which is that it's, it's all this stuff that has um, weighed people down does need letting go of, doesn't it? Because... Um, there is a higher purpose um, to us all being here. And I think that's probably um, what's being uncovered for a lot of people. It's almost like this pandemic has been the cause for people to really wake up and say what really matters in life. Uh, because before that, um, mm -hmm. you know, that whole kind of um, run to the cliff edge in terms of creating a livelihood for our families or, or fitting into society and um, and getting our self-esteem from that. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost been blown out the window because there's so much more questioning going on about um, why are we here? Who's determining how we live our lives and how do we really want to live our lives for ourselves? So what you're describing um, does come from a higher place, a sense of having gratitude, love, hope and uh, against all odds. Um, so is that something that um, you think is um, equally innate in people or is this a, a, something we need to learn? I, again, it depends on your background. I mean, but I think one of the things that I encourage people to do is 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 to have that sense of, I, I think I asked three questions in one of my books there, you know, who matters most to you and why? What matters most to them and why? What matters most to you and why? And just share that. And then have a sense of what are your own innate values? What do you value most? And find that, you know, I've put um, the things that I value most, which actually I can put into my business and my work as a listen, learn, love and laugh. You know, those things matter most to me and I can explain to people why those matter, why I put them at the heart of my being, why I put them at the heart of my work. But I think, again, most of us have not taken the time to think through what are our own values, what are our team values, what are our corporate values. And if we know those, what does that mean in terms of how I show up today, how I speak to you, Amina, how, you know, we resolve a difference that we have, because that comes from our core values. And when we are true to those, then we know how to show up and we know how to treat each other. Mm. 
Um, I think one of the things about um, the changes in society is that um, seeing the connectedness between all things much more. And um, so, so for me, that's been a particular part of my journey um, for a long time practicing Buddhist, um, that everything's interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that people largely are recognizing more and more because we've been so conditioned into a sense of separateness, a sense of ego. Um, and um, that when we actually realize that, um, you know, something about our, our, our thinking or, or our behavior has an impact on others. Um, and so therefore, um, you know, it, we don't exist in isolation. We are all part of this, this large cosmic fabric as well as human fabric. Um, so it, it really just points to that real need to show up in a different way because if we hurt others we hurt ourselves and vice versa you know so um um resonating on that level really is important isn't it in in terms of understanding um the you know the the mark we make in society yeah it's like Ripples on a pond, isn't it? You know, the way you show up, the energy you show up, whether that's positive energy or negative energy, uh, that drops a pebble in the pond and that ripples out. So, you know, in a, in an organisation that someone might describe as toxic, that's ripples out from from someone. And, it, and the same with someone who can come in with a positive energy that ripples out through the team, through the organization. So being aware that, it, it, you know, again, our impact, our ability to influence, uh, you know, society at large, if we if we are able to show up with 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 the right energy, uh, that will ripple out into society. And then imagine more and more people doing the same. Imagine the impact of that. So that's that's where we get to and if if we if we are true and we have integrity and we have you know appropriate values they're not always the same as everybody else but those ripple out and and they connect with everybody else and you know that that for me is definitely connectedness collaboration in in action so what tips would you have for our viewers and our listeners in terms of because you know to actually center yourself to become aware of your values, to connect with them, to live them, um, you know, does take pause and it takes, you know, um, some some real skills um, to be able to do that. So are there any tips you can share in terms of getting our communication right? I mean, just that lovely idea there that you talk about, Amina, of pausing. I think often we forget to pause. Um, (laughs) uh, As I've become the barefoot mediator, you know, actually, I would say it's a bit cold to do this right now. But if you take your shoes and socks off and actually stand and be grounded, feel a sense of, you know, I am connected to the earth and to other people. it's just taking that time to be grounded, to be rooted, to think, who am I? I feel connected to other people uh, and let's go from there. And then, of course, I do a lot of stuff in helping people to then actually learn some very simple skills and tools, you know, through my books, through my courses, um, 
And that, again, I would suggest to people that they find something like that, some way to uh, join a course, join a group, you know, get some more information to help bring this stuff um, to the surface for them in their lives. I heard um, a lovely um, quote recently, and it was from a, a Native American elder saying that this pandemic's made um, everyone a tribal Indian almost you know it's like so you know this real need to connect with mother whether you call Gaia or mother earth nature mm -hmm. um this real need for a sense of ceremony yeah uh, and I think that's what you're describing I mean in a in a in a earth energy and physics way well you actually when you take your shoes and socks off and connecting with the earth you're actually um connected with human resonance which is a particular frequency which is mm. extremely grounding. Um, mm. And um, so it's like almost plugging into um, what we're innately from and connected to, uh, which brings balance and harmony almost instantly. Um, but, you know, uh, that does mean acknowledging that um, we're going against some, some very Western societal norms, aren't we? You know, to take our shoes and socks off and walk on the bare earth, you know, as bare feet um, is almost ceremonial, isn't it? So I think that's been one of the challenges uh, for me or not challenges. One of the things I've been able to bring, I mean, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm trained as a lawyer. I'm trained as a meteorite. I'm a professional. And yet I see the connection with doing those things. I understand how we need to combine these two ways of looking, the sort of logical uh, thinking that, that comes from my legal training, my professional training. And then, you know, what have I learned as a, as a mediator where you rather let things let things unfold if you like you enable people to 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 think for themselves to make their own uh, decisions and and to explore uh, there's a lovely story i have from a trial lawyer in america his name's jerry spence and he wrote a book called how to argue and win every time and he put on a course for trial lawyers in america and the trial lawyers all signed up and they thought great we're going to learn how to make the best argument to win in court you know and when they turned up at jerry spence's ranch it was rather like my course. He's like, well, go for a walk by the river. Um, here's some painting I'd like you to do. Could you write a poem? And the similar thing, you know, this is here's a trial lawyer saying, unless you get to know yourself, how can you possibly know your client? And that was what he was teaching. And, um, you know, and, and then it, it, people, his course was overrun because, of course, the trial lawyer said it was such an amazing experience. I'd never experienced anything like it. But I think all of us, you know, we get stuck in this sort of professional box um, and we feel that we're not allowed to, that it would be unprofessional, unseemly to do these other things. But of course, if somebody like Jerry Spence can do it um, and, and the similar things, it's, it's liberating. It enables us to see a bigger picture and to, to know ourselves and to know the world better. Oh, do you know, Jane, that's so wonderful. And I think that um, when we come through this really difficult time, which we will, have no doubt about that, um, what will be left behind will be that very essential humanness, you know, to go back to what really matters. 
um, and um, to be more in touch with our, ourselves, you know, our humanness. So, um, yeah, it, if it's if it's unmasking that, you know, very constrained, um, separate way of being to really connect with who we truly are, which are, you know, diverse multi-dimensional beings you know uh and not you know not operating on so many different levels uh when i talk about multi-dimensional as well as you know in so many different ways that we're playing all these various roles out in our in our lives but if we anchor that to integrity then that's you know that's what makes the difference that's what you're actually saying isn't it yeah definitely so, Jane, I, I mean, um, it's been really lovely uh, chatting with you today. Very insightful. Um, and thank you for coming to talk with um, our listeners and viewers about um, resolving conflicts in a very current and accessible way. Um, so if people want to know more about your work, uh, is there a website or how, how can they connect with you? Absolutely. So Jane, uh, uk is my website. Um, I post almost every day, at least four days a week on LinkedIn on all of these issues. So please do find me on LinkedIn. And then Amina, I will give you to post in your notes uh, details of my course, which is Barefoot Mediator, the uh, power of resolutionary thinking. And I'm also going to be running a series of webinars uh, starting in the new year, Awaken Your Survivor, uh, mindset for 2022 so people might be interested in that too well definitely we've already had a conversation about running a webinar through free thinkers hub and um so there'll be opportunity for our viewers to access jane and her work so it just leaves me to say uh thank you to everyone who's tuned in um to listen to this podcast and hope you've got a lot from it. Um, and also to thank you, Jane, for your time and your valuable skills and um, your ability to show up with such integrity. So thank you for coming today. Thank you, Amina. Welcome to the Free Thinkers Hub, connecting you with people in other fields or walks of life who can expand our world and sense of possibility. Our mission is clear, a censorship-free social media platform that's a hub of truth where people can learn and share and to create a place of hope and empowerment. Free Thinkers Hub, where you are empowered, not overpowered.